Hello and welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. My name is Ruben Williams and with me, as always, is the efficient Ryan Walker. How are you, mate? I'm going very well, mate. Efficient. That's one of the best words. I love it. Uh, very <laughs> relevant for today's episode, um, German efficiency. We'll get to that though. Uh, but how, yes. how are you going? I'm doing well. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, a bit dressed up today. I've just come straight from a webinar, but um, you're right. We'll introduce our German friend in in just a moment. Yeah. Um, but I thought uh, it was applicable to you too. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And you do look very schmick at the moment. So well done to you. Um, great month, August. You know why? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you sort why of is that? you're you're obviously in winter, but you're coming into that time where like September to me seems like oh. Like we're getting into the really good sporting stage, AFL mm. finals time. And mm. if you're at uni, obviously you're, you're starting to like the end is near. You, you can, you're in yep. the tunnel. You can see the light. Um, yep. And it just takes me back to, to uni days. And I remember this is, the, this is the time where you just had to stick in and just sort of think a few weeks to go. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I imagine you'd have the same thing, obviously not missing exams though, hopefully. But um, <laughs> Yeah, during your days at uni at Deakin, obviously. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, usually around this time at Deakin, it's a mid-semester break. You get a bit of time to uh, recoup and refresh for the second half and get set to um, you know finish off with a bit of a bang. But um, mm. uh, as you know, Ryan, and a lot of the people listening know, every single course at Deakin is backed by industry ex- experts so that you know even if you are a mid-semester break, you can be confident you are going to get the job you want with a degree employers want because... Uh, we love their saying, Ryan, Deakin University, progressive real-world learning. Um, before we go any further, if you want to learn any more about myself or Ryan, check us out on LinkedIn. There's more about our background. You can connect with us there. Um, and if you've got any questions as well about the podcast or about us, feel free to, to hit us up. Now, moving on to our guest today, we are chatting with Felix Friedel, who has just returned home to Germany after spending a few weeks in Tokyo at the Olympic Games of all places, Ryan, which is absolutely incredible. Huge. Um, Felix, where are you calling from at the moment? Hi, Ruben. Hi, Ryan. Nice to meet you. So uh, at the moment, actually, I'm back in Munich where I live. Um, Just arrived two days ago. Um, Still a little bit of jet lag. Um, Woke up at five in the morning tonight. Um, But yeah, I'm getting there. And I guess that's definitely worth it. Absolutely. Well, Felix, you've been our man on the ground in Tokyo to help uncover uh, a, a question that a lot of people have posed to us, and that is what jobs actually exist in sport. We've done a previous episode where we've kind of shone the light on some of the roles that people might not know even exist in sport. And when you get to an Olympic Games, when you get to a multi-sport event that's got, what, over 10,000 athletes and officials at it, then there starts to become some really peculiar roles that people don't even know exist. Uh, and if you don't know it exists, then you can't aspire to, to work in it. So today we're so glad to have you here to kind of shed the light on what work opportunities are available at an Olympic Games. And I thought we might kick it off by uh, getting you to explain your role. You know, what were you doing over in Tokyo? Uh, what was your title and, and how did it all go down? Um, yeah, so I, my role is basically a volunteer role. So I applied uh, for NOC assistant volunteer um, like two years ago. For, for so the Olympic N- Games. NOC being 
NOC being the National Olympic Committee of, of Germany? Yeah, right. So um, the Tokyo Olympic Co uh, Committee is called TOCOC. So um, they have volunteer roles for different, um, well, different positions. And one of them is the NOC assistant, which means you're assisting one National Olympic Committee in whatever they have. So any tasks they have. And so for me, um, that meant uh, I arrived with the first team member of uh, the German team and I, I go back with the, with the last team member. So basically four, five full weeks spending there with setting up the whole village. Um, yeah, preparing preparing the village um, and also during the games, um, yeah, helping athletes check in, check out, uh, um, arriving at, at the village, um, also cheering for them at different sport events. That was uh, the most pleasurable part uh, obviously uh, and then yeah afterwards after the games um it's about you know packing all the stuff again uh, and ship it to the next um to the next games basically so for this time we shipped a lot of stuff back uh, to peking where the next uh, winter olympic games actually are um so that's in total the the things you do um yeah sounds like the oil that just keeps the the chain moving on the bike Makes it all happen very easily. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, we're, we're kind of in the background. Um, all all the athletes they don't uh, you know they don't even know we what we do. So when they arrive to the village, uh, the village looks good. They have a gym over there. They have their rooms. They have um, you know twenty bikes, uh, bicycles, so they can uh, bike around the the village. Everything is set up, and yeah, that's what we did beforehand. So they have the most or best time they can have. When, when you say prepare the village, what does that like explicitly mean? Uh, you know, we've seen photos from Australia of like all these banners hung on the outside of buildings. We've seen lots of paraphernalia uh, around the place. Uh, what, what does setting up the village mean for your role? Yeah, that's a good question. So when you, when you arrive there, there is, you know, some houses, but they are not branded at all. There's nothing there. So you get, houses with rooms, um, basically empty rooms, um, and you have to set up everything. So for Germany, that meant we had an own gym. Um, so we set up a whole gym room um, just for our athletes to train there. Um, then we did all the banners. Actually, that's a funny story because it took two days for us to set up all the banners. I don't know if you've seen the German house. Um, we had like two meter banners and we had to set up each, uh, each single one, um, which Took a lot of time for a lot of members of our team other nations they've been a little bit smarter um because they had just one banner hanging from from the top of the house to the bottom of the house which is you know you can set it up in 10 minutes i guess um so yeah uh, and funny as well uh, the australians they had you know they had those statues you know uh, a kangaroo statue in front of their house they brought it from from australia i guess so it's a part of their branding. Uh, and the funny story is that some of our athletes, you know, they finished their competitions and, you know, they partied a little bit and then they thought, oh, that's a nice kangaroo over there. And, you know, let's take it. Let's take it to our room. And, oh, okay. So they took it. Um, they brought it to the room. Um, the Australians, obviously, they noticed that the day after. So they said, okay, where's our kangaroo? It's gone. Um, and oh, no. yeah, our, our athletes didn't know that there are, you know, cameras in the elevators. So they went in the elevator with the kangaroo. Must be a very nice picture for the people who, who watched that. And, <laughs> yeah. 
uh, in the end, yeah, they knew, okay, Germans have it. And, and you know, Australians said, okay, we're not going to do anything, but you have to bring it back. Uh, and we're going to wait for you. And we're going to cheer when you bring it back and stuff like that. So it's most embarrassing uh, for them. And yeah, I actually don't know if that ever happened because uh, I think they were smart enough to bring it back during the night. So yeah, <laughs> but they didn't learn from that because two days after that, they took the, the elk from the Canadians. Uh, they didn't took it to the room, but they took it to the front of the Brazilian building. So they said, oh, it's the Brazilians who stole it. But no, <laughs> actually funny story. Seems like a, it's just a, a village of thieves going around the Olympics, <laughs> as, it, <laughs> as it would sound. But no, that, that that's quite good. And, but I, know, I would say... the boxing kangaroo is sacred uh, to our Olympic team. So I can see why they were flat about it. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely, they should be. Uh, I wouldn't say yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a village of thieves, but a village of people who want to have fun after they won or they competed, <laughs> obviously. You know, yeah. you train hard for a long time and then you compete and then you just want to have fun and then you do some stuff like that. Yeah. Um, now, Felix, as Ruben mentioned, you are the sports grad man on the ground at the Olympics. Well, you were, sorry, uh, on the ground for us. Um I believe you're going to take us through three more roles that aren't just your own, um, and they are roles that you, people might not know about, as Ruben said. So the next one we've got lined up is the NOC Accommodation Manager. Um, so I'd love to know, so like, what are the yeah. key responsibilities in this role? So, yeah, the, um, so I've been with the NOC Germany, so I know uh, some things about the NOC job. So the NOC um, Accommodation Manager. Um, her job is basically to make sure that every athlete uh, has a room which uh, suits um, his needs um, and to actually make sure that every athlete has a room, which is pretty difficult on its own. Um, so um, what do you need to do? So because you have restricted rooms and this time it was uh, a bit of a bit special because the athlete had to return or move out of the room 48 hours after the last competition. So. Um, we had even less rooms, um, which uh, made it a little bit more difficult. So basically, you have a number of rooms. You're going to go there first uh, and then check, is everything there? Does it, do they have a bed? Is the bed, you know, is it not broken? Um, some athletes do need bed extensions because they're too tall to fit in a normal bed. Um, <laughs> and yeah, to make sure, is there a bed extension or there? Do they have TVs or whatever they need? Is the Wi-Fi working? So everything and yeah, then they come, they arrive, people, uh, the athletes arrive and the coaches arrive, they get the room keys and they go to the rooms and then they say, okay, and they live in there and then, oh, damn, some things are broken, showers broken, for example, then um, she has to organize, okay, someone to repair it um, and yeah, to make sure that everything's uh, still working when the athlete's there. And the most fun, but also most difficult thing is probably after the athletes left, um, because then they have to return the room key and then you go into the room and see, okay, what, what did I do in the room? Like five days long or even longer. <laughs> and then, you know, there's some funny things you can find. Um, for example, the kangaroo, which <laughs> they didn't find there, but yeah, some things like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, they clean up the room, um, yeah, make sure that everything is working again because you know 
we had only a small number of rooms, so we had to um, prepare the room after one athlete left for another athlete who's going to arrive the day after that. So um, everything needs to be prepared within a, within a half day. Um, so the next athlete can move in uh, and it looks fine again. Um, so actually there was a problem with the blankets because, you know, the blankets, the athletes are allowed to take the blankets um, with them um, after they, they left, but they didn't have enough blankets, for example. So that was a problem. And then athletes arrived and didn't have a blanket, which is, you know, like, what is this? <laughs> so, yeah, so she had to make sure that there are enough blankets and stuff like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and in the end, you know, oh, there'll be headlines. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say there'll, there'll be uh, there'll be headlines coming out after people listen to this about the, the great blanket shortage from, from Tokyo <laughs> 2020. <laughs> but um, uh, that is that that is a role that I just you know would have no idea even existed again but it makes sense you know it's kind of like a hotel manager someone's going to take care of the building um awesome so that that's two I think we covered off now uh number three I believe we've got is the volunteer manager for the Tokyo Olympic Committee organizing committee um so in this role Felix what are some of the things that they need to be prepared for yeah so like the volunteer manager that's a job that starts uh, very very long before the games actually take place because um in it you know for olympic games they're so big as you said there are like 10 11 000 athletes in, in the village at one time and they're all competing and you know they're all arriving at the airport and everything all these things to do they need a lot of volunteers uh, to help them and support the team uh, I think they actually applied 300,000 volunteers um, for the Olympic Games um, for wow. for actually 100,000 volunteer positions. Um, so that's quite a large number. Um, and yeah, so the volunteer manager, first of all, they open the applications. So, you know, they prepare the application process um, and, you know, people can, can apply for these volunteer roles and different volunteer roles with, you know, they... They tell you things about what roles they have and what you can apply for. And and after that, which is incredible, I, I think they, they do an interview with every single volunteer. Um, so, um, you know, when there are 300,000 applications, they do an interview with, with every single volunteer, um, which takes a lot of time. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's not only one person like doing years. the job. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of people involved in this volunteer management. And yeah, so they do an interview, then they choose the volunteers they want to have. Uh, and then I think one, one and a half years before the games, they start the training uh, of the volunteers. So because of the different roles and, you know, some people have different backgrounds, they come from all over the world. Um, some people don't ha even have an idea what the Olympic Games actually are. So they do training about the Olympic Games, about the spirit of the Olympic Games about the roles, the jobs they have, um, and how to behave um, also. And yeah, so that takes, I guess, a year. Um, so there's on-ground and off-ground training. So they have training um, in Japan for Japanese volunteers, but they also have training for people like me who are not, not even there. And I'm not going to go there for a week for, to have training, obviously. Um, so they have online training. Um, <laughs> and things like that and yeah 
So and then the end, the Olympic game starts, and they just uh, hope that all the volunteers uh, arrive and and do their job uh, as best as they can. Actually, this time it was uh, pretty difficult for the volunteer manager, I, I guess, because because of uh, the COVID, um, a lot of volunteers spontaneously didn't come. Then they just didn't arrive to their shifts. Um, because they all have shifts where they have to work or should work. Um, but they just didn't come because they were too afraid of, of COVID. Um, and we had a short shortage of volunteers. Um, the NOC assistants, for example. Um, I mean, Germany, they have foreign athletes. They usually have 12 NOC assistants. Um, but we didn't have one, actually, in the beginning. So uh, And then two uh, at some days. So... Uh, that just showed us okay there's there's definitely a shortage of, of people who actually want to to support these games just because they're afraid i mean that's that's natural i guess but um that was a problem for a volunteer manager i guess um so um yeah and then after that after games they you know they send certificates to all the volunteers and and thank them and you know with the closing ceremony they some of the volunteers can take part uh, in the closing ceremony and then you know they thank them especially for, yeah. for being part of the olympic games i reckon you'd um you'd certainly milk it for all it's worth if i was a volunteer at the olympics rooms don't you reckon like you'd you'd get the full experience and you'd get all the right. merch like everything yep. you could possibly get and and yep. honestly yep. i'd go to the closing ceremony and wave to everybody like i was an actual oh, athlete honestly. to be honest the other one is uh, the accreditation. Just take that wherever you go and go see some sport. <laughs> yeah, we love a cred. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Well, that is three rolls. We've got one more That's to go, true. and that is the venue manager um, of the obviously like the Tokyo Olympic Organizing Committee. So, like locally for the Olympics. Um, personally, looking on TV, yeah, you look at the venues. And you're just like, holy shit. Like, look like they're completely different. Like, I remember looking, you know, at past Olympics, you're like, holy mother, like how much work has gone into these venues to get them to this point? So I was just going to ask you, how, how much prep does go into these venues before and after um, to make sure they're absolutely perfect come game day? Yeah. So, so actually, the, the venue manager, that's not, you know, again, not only one job, but many, many jobs in different uh, uh, fields. So, you know, there's technology, um, there's branding, marketing, um, logistics as well. So there's going, there's a lot of work to do until one of these venues is actually ready for competition because, you know, during the Olympic Games, there is no chance for any mistake, um, um, obviously, because everything has to work. And so um what they do uh, again there's things I, I can only guess they do but um th obviously the technology they have to make sure okay is the you know the competition technology working is it you know like in athletics for example you know when they do the, sh this, the shooting for for a start of 100 meters is that working perfectly is the timing working perfectly is everything set up is the wi-fi working in, in you know in the stadium because all these people in, in the stadium most of them are, um, especially this time, uh, most of them were uh, NOC members and they need Wi-Fi to work parallel to actually being there and, and, and watching and also media and press and everyone. Um, is that everything working perfectly? Um, 
then you know the competition venues itself again athletics um they do you know they do new uh, surfaces um so it's highest level um for cycling indoor cycling basically they had a new new surface which is um apparently was very very quick so a lot of uh, world records and olympic records um have been uh, achieved this time um so yeah, all these preparations and you know in some venues you, you cannot do anything about the surface for example uh, you know rowing or things like that so you can only just try um to uh, reduce the wind which is blowing into the venue because that's something they have to consider is that you know wind going into the venue so it has it gets wavy um and they try to reduce it as much as possible um and that's all they can do in the end and there's you know a typhoon close to tokyo which there was this time there's still some wind going into the venue and it's you know more difficult uh, conditions um so that's things they consider um yeah and also branding and marketing obviously um they you know they Mm. it's you know you're gonna see this stadium in the whole world and you know the branding must be on spot so you know you want to represent your country and your your competition in the best Mm. way yeah that's right particularly like when brands are playing millions of dollars to be associated with the olympics you'd want to make the sure the person on the ground whose job it is to put the sign in place is doing doing a proper job um awesome so that that's really cool it sounds like they have to be pretty logistically minded and pretty organized to make sure like their checklist of everything is is done to make sure a competition ground is is ready to compete in and and appear on tv definitely awesome well thanks so much for joining us felix those are the four jobs that uh i know we certainly weren't aware of and i'm sure some other people might have learned a few more about what goes on behind the scenes in the olympic games um, we'll run through them again quickly. You've got the National Organising Committee Assistant, which was yourself, just setting up the uh, the village, the National uh, Organising Committee uh, Accommodation Manager, which is kind of like that hotel manager type role for the for the uh, the village. Uh, then you've got the volunteer manager, just like preparing what the three hundred thousand applicants and one hundred thousand volunteers, as well as the the venue manager, making sure everyone's uh, make sure making sure everything's looking on point. Um, thanks so much for joining us, Felix. And it's incredible to be able to chat with someone who has been there on the ground in Tokyo. Um, so we really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Uh, I'm happy to, contrib- to contribute to your podcast. I hope some guys actually inspired to do um, some volunteering or either find a work or apply for a job in this field. Um, it's only worth it, um, as far as I can say. Um, you know, being there, uh, seeing the emotions of the athletes. Um, um, you know, when they, they win or lose in the last second, um, that's huge emotions you can you can see and realize with them. And that's, you know, that's that's sport. That's awesome. Fantastic. Uh, no doubt you get some pretty special moments doing volunteer work at the Olympics. Um, that's all from us. If you want to connect with us on LinkedIn, you can find us there, Ruben Williams, Ryan Walker. Feel free to send us a message if anything comes to mind. Otherwise, thank you for joining us and we will see you next time.